0: DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. Mark Miller Subaru, bringing you DJ and PK in the morning. And right now, bringing you Lincoln Kennedy as well. Raider Radio Voice, Pac-12 Network Analyst. Lincoln, good morning.
1: Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me.
0: I've got so many questions, but let's start with what do you do with (laughs) yourself this time of year with the Raiders out and Pac-12 football over?
1: Oh, it's called having fun and relaxing with my kids. Um, This season was was long and hard for me. I was actually working uh, what what made out to be seven days a week, uh, various radio and TV entities. Uh, So I'm looking welcome for the break. I'm, I'm happy.
2: And speaking of break, someone who wants to get back in, that's Urban Meyer. He took a break for a couple years. But, wow, what a decision as far as going to Jacksonville, of all places, in the NFL, any place in the NFL. But you're starting at a non-glamorous market out there. And, obviously, he's from, lives in Florida, or at least uh, has a history in Florida. But you played at both levels, obviously. What do you think of a college coach who made his mark and made it very, very well at the college level, now doing it at the professional level.
1: Well, first of all, I look at it as what we call the itch in the business. Once you're in something for a long time, it's hard to get away from it. So there's no there's no surprise that Irvin Myers back into coaching. at just at what level. And I remember, you know, when the uh, Ohio State played Clemson, and the camera flashed on him a couple times. He had that sort of astute look, like a like a like a hamster on a, on a on a on a wheel, thinking what he could do with that number one pick. And that was it. Started that started the rumor that he might be going to Jacksonville, even though Jacksonville at that time had not given any hints that they were going to let go Doug Marone. So I'm not supp- by the move. I will say this, a lot of times you have what I consider, consider control freaks. That have to have total control and, and if they're not in the right place, it doesn't work out for them. I think that was what happened with Sabin in Miami, uh, why he went back to Alabama. I think this is what happened with Harbaugh in the pro level and why he went to Michigan and wanted to control everything. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Jacksonville makes out of it and what they do with the first pick. Most people think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence and it might very well be, but how can he get him, uh, you know, Jacksonville's not far away. They do have some pieces, but how can he get them to the next level? And that division, I think, is uh, capturable uh, if they have the right coaching and the right team.
0: So, Will Urban, who has always gone to places where there was a ton of talent on the roster and he could win right away year one, 10-2 at Utah, and then year two go undefeated, and then he goes to Miami or to uh, Florida, and his second year he wins a national title, and he's undefeated his first year at Ohio State. If you had a quick process at Jacksonville, you might win five or six games next year. You might be nine and seven and get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs the next year. And then the third year, be ready for a deep playoff run.
1: I think what? it happens quicker than that. Really? I think it happens. Yeah, I think it happens year one. I think he gets him in the playoffs if he has the right system and the right pieces in place. They do have some pieces already. They're not that far away. And I think depending on how they use that number one pick, where he decides to go at quarterback, because we know and there's no doubt that they definitely need a quarterback. That they might be able to implement something. The, the biggest question for me is. We saw this sort of gradual transformation over the last decade or so, how college football, what's happening in college football, is starting to come into the ranks of pro football. And with the you know, the, the run-pass option and various teams trying to implement, you know, Peterson and, and Philadelphia when they had their run, and trying to, you see Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts and all these other guys that are coming in, you see sort of what they're trying to do. It's, it'll be interesting to see how that, if that takes over offensively-wise, because defenses are beginning to catch up and slow those things down. So... These things happen in revelations. I think Urban will be successful. My biggest question, Mark, is the stress because he was talking about his health issues when he was last coaching. How does that interfere or does that interfere this time around?
2: What do you think about the adage of uh, pro players not rallying around a college coach? Is that outdated?
1: I think it's outdated. I think, I think you have so much individualism on so many different levels that it's hard to have anybody rally around anyone collectively. Um, I, I think that coaches overall have gotten away from teaching the simplest uh, aspects of the game. For example, um, game management from a quarterback. I remember being frustrated when watching Cleveland and, and Pittsburgh, and I was thinking to Baker Mayfield, why are you in such a hurry to run a play? If anything, you want to take as much time off the clock, you should know that because that was the elementary thinking. You should look up at the clock and say, even if we were on three run plays and they're unsuccessful, we should at least take out a minute, 45, a minute to you know, two minutes off the clock. That's what your, your philosophy is thinking, not hurry up. Oh, let's hurry up and get to the ball and run and snap. But I think that is, that's something that is a thing of the past as well because you see uh, game management as a whole, even from coaching staff, has gone by wayside.
0: Lincoln Kennedy joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So we're sitting here with the uh, with the playoffs right in front of us. Mm-hmm. We just saw four road teams win. Now, I don't think all of them were really that big an upset. Certainly Tampa right. Bay wasn't. I really thought the Tennessee-Baltimore game was a toss-up. I think Baltimore-Buffalo feels like a little bit of a toss-up to me. I, w- I won't be surprised if the Ravens go in there, run the ball, keep Buffalo off the field, and get out of there with a 23-20 win. I just wouldn't be shocked by that
1: no, and I agree with you. And I think if you look at the last couple of years the playoffs, especially the wild cards, you will see a lot of times the road teams had a lot of success in home stadiums. I think the, the, the when you look at this year as a whole, it, you could probably make the argument especially in the AFC that was it was ultra competitive. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't think it was going to be that high you know as far as the competition win loss margin. And the NFC it was a little bit closer but still hard to predict. So, these days in the playoffs the the competitive competitive competi- competitional edge has been, you know, driven down it's it's not as as deep as it once was
2: so lamar jackson was just just fantastic in that first win and he gets the thing off his back uh is it gone now or does it just grow okay you did it once in the first round now you gotta do it again
1: well it grows because you're a former nfl mvp (laughs) <laughs> it's not going yeah. anywhere. The pressure's not going anywhere. I mean, the, the fact is, is that the, the, the media wants, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson to win so they can talk about the story. Baltimore fans want Lamar Jackson to win so they can talk about the story. And more importantly, I think the NFL wants to show that they can win because, again, this is another program that's implementing a lot of things that are coming out of college. It's not the transitional drop-back passer. It's sort of the new age of football. And most general managers and coaches are having to look at that because a mobile quarterback gives you a definite edge Especially when you have a speed that you have at receivers and tight ends, as you know, competitive and athletic the tight ends are, you've got to force a lot of uh, double coverage, a lot of bracket coverage, bracket coverage. So you're rushing, rushing less and then driving more in the, to coverage gives uh, open up a number of lanes for running quarterbacks to have success.
0: You know, because uh, I believe what you said, you know, the AFC was so competitive, you know, seven, 11 win teams, the eighth best teams, 10 win Miami. I feel like these AFC playoff games could go either way. I look at the NFC and I think it's going to be the Saints and it's going to be the Packers. Uh, but I look, even Kansas City who has been awesome, played so many close games the second half of the season. I think, man, one or two mistakes and Cleveland's hot. They've won seven out of nine. Maybe, maybe even they could pull it off.
1: Yeah, the thing is, is that what, what Cleveland's gonna have to do is what I spoke of early, master the time of possession. Because what Andy Reid did in the second half of the season, and he started out when, after they came out of the bye, and um, played Oakland, is he wasn't as, he wasn't as intent on, you know, taking the deep play, the big play, and passing the ball downfield as he was, taking his time marching down the field and getting touchdowns. And that turned out to be, well, obviously low-scoring games and kept other teams in it, but they still had the edge. So um, you know, my thing is, is this, until somebody beats Kansas City, as much as I hate to say it, I've got to believe they're their favorite.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that until we see otherwise. I'm really interested in the old-timers game. I suggested <laughs> that if Brady and Breeze go into overtime, instead of playing football, they settle at a shuffleboard.
1: That was just <laughs> Probably, a, right? You've got to ask who's paying. The thing is, is that uh, uh, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. And I still think the Saints are going to win because I think they're the better team, especially on defense. But it's really hard. And And what's interesting to me is that, you know, much as you said earlier, where it could probably be a Green Bay and, and New Orleans, Saint, uh, New Orleans matchup in the finals, it would be it would be very frustrating for a Saints fans to be this close to the Super Bowl again, but no touch because I don't yeah. think they can beat Green Bay and Green Bay.
0: And I really don't think the Rams are going to beat the Packers. And the number one right. thing, watching Aaron Donald grab his rib, abdomen, core, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's hurt, and you can say whatever you want. I know NFL players lie to the media. I don't even blame him for him. I wouldn't want to tell the opponent, "Hey, this shoulder hurts." Make sure you hit that as many times as possible. You know, so I, I get it, but I just don't believe they're healthy. And if they don't have him, they don't have their pass rush. And if you're the Rams without your pass rush, you're not really the Rams. Yeah, that's true. But
1: Green Bay is hurting up front on the offensive line with Valdir. They went out and they signed Jared Valdir, but he tested positive COVID. So they've got some problems. And we've seen the formula in the past to beat this Packers offense is to get a rush with four men. Uh, Tampa Bay did it earlier when they were down in Tampa. But I think you know the, the, the overwhelming factor, even though crowds are not allowed in the stands pretty much, Green Bay is a home field advantage, especially this time of year. Nobody likes to go play in Green Bay. (laughs) Even Green Bay Packers don't like playing in Green Bay. So I think it's an advantage for Green Bay and I think Aaron Rodgers is just with that offense is just too hot.
2: I'm going to ask you. It's going to start out as an NBA, but it has a per, uh, relationship to really any sport. So stick with me for a second. You see, with the Rockets, with James Harden, and created such a problem. He leaves, and they immediately win their first game. And now you got the Nets, which Kyrie Irving, who is doing all his stuff. And I'm wondering what kind of toll it takes there. Can you just relate to the issue of when the team is not focused on winning? When you have these side things going on, how much it actually gets in the way of what you're trying to accomplish?
1: Every coach I've ever played for has tried to limit distractions. And I remember the young man growing up and playing the game, I wanted to be on the field. I didn't care about what was happening behind me. I didn't care about my backups training. I wanted to be on the field. I wanted to play. Um, and because I started off as an awkward athlete, this is my personal story, an awkward athlete who wasn't really, uh, wasn't really athletic but had potential, it took me a while to get in position to where I was comfortable and was able to do my thing, and then success followed. To me, the, the most disheartening thing about today's athlete, in many respects, especially when it comes to basketball, is it became, it's become so much individual, individualistic that it takes away from the team. So many times we've seen the individual be allowed to run them up. Uh, we had one general manager who, who actually offended people by saying, well, you can't allow the inmates to run the asylum. But that's what's, that's what's taken over. That's, what, that's what's happening, especially in the world of the NBA. It always seems like there's one individual that's trying to do one up. Ever since the Big Three got together in Boston, we've seen various guys, who, the, various good players, try to get on the same squad, try to create these quote unquote stupid teams. And for a lot of people, it worked. Some good, some bad. The way that it's handled ultimately is the reflection that I have I'm concerned about. Anthony Davis did the same thing a couple years ago when he wanted out of New Orleans, wanted to go to the Lakers. But he didn't handle it the way that James Harden did. When he went there and he called out his teammates, we're not good enough. Houston was forced to do that, to, to make that trade. They were forced because he was becoming toxic in the locker room. And it was like, you're not going to get anything from him if you just wait it out, allow him to tank games, and then all of a sudden leave. So they were forced into that. But it's so disheartening because you see an organization like the Rockets that did everything that Harden wanted. They gave him the red carpet and more. They gave him the keys. They tried to do everything they could to appease him. They gave him money, and he still wanted out. That's unfortunate, and that's a bad sign for the NBA because now you're going to have more of what I call this divish, uh, type of behavior, whether it's Kyrie Irving, whether it's James Harden, whether it's whomever, you're going to have more and more of that go on, and everyone is going to try to do one up. Can you imagine if Zion Williamson decides to go a aflo- go amok? Could you imagine the NBA if that if that's if that's the case? I mean, we might be headed there. We don't know, but right now it's so hard to please these divas. There's nothing left. Brooklyn gave up everything because they want to win now, and. In the world world of sports, the ebb and flow of sports, even when you try to buy a team, it's not always successful. So I think Brooklyn is going to be competitive in the East because they've got Kevin Durant. But I honestly think they made this move because they don't trust that Kyrie will come back and they have to have two superstars. Uh, But I'm interested to see how Durant and James Harden share the court.
0: I wouldn't mind if if I were Brooklyn if he didn't come back. If, well, can, course, if you could, find a, taker, yeah, if you could yep. find a taker for him so you had some money to put a third and fourth guy around your two stars, they'd be in a better place.
1: Yeah, but again, you, it's anyone's guess what's going to piece Kyrie yeah. And every place that he's gone since he's left Cleveland, he's become toxic in the locker room. Yep, yep, fact.
2: I mean, you have that situation. The guys, are you able to tune it out? you get sick of it? What do you do?
1: No, you can't tune it out because the organization is catering to him. Does that make sense? Yep, yeah. So you, you can't tune it out. You're, everyone else is not good enough to endpoint their voice or whatever. If the coach tries to disrupt, he can't let it out to the media because it's going to create a bigger circus than he wants. If the coach tries to disrupt and now you you force your best player into a shell where he doesn't want to play, what, what, what are you going to do?
0: Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. And Lincoln, we got to ask you about Alabama yeah. and the Pac-12. Right. So Alabama's got four under, underclassmen declaring, quarterback Mac Jones, wide receiver Jalen Waddell, D-lineman Christian Barmore, quarterback Patrick Sertain, add in Devonta Smith and Najee Harris, two more offensive skill players, potentially six first-round draft picks. Right. How yeah. in the I world mean, it, it, is the Pac-12 <laughs> supposed to get back on the national stage and compete with us? Do they just have to wait for Saban to retire?
1: No, it's not that, but you should have to win. You know what? What it's going to take is it's going to take scheduling Pac-12 schools to play SEC schools in non-conference games. That's what it's going to take, and it's going to take the Pac-12 to have to, to be able to win. The fact is, in my opinion, the SEC is top-heavy, and I I'm, I've been bewildered over the past decade and change at how Saban can continuously have such a successful program, and it seemed like other programs aren't even close, unless it's a blip on the screen. I mean, you take LSU last year. If they didn't get Joe Burrow, you know, through the transfer portal and all of a sudden open things up, it probably would look like Alabama would have dominated the conference again. Florida's come close. Georgia's come close, but not without the inconsistencies. I don't know what Saban is doing in Alabama, and I don't know why it's big, uh, but, uh, such a big difference maker, but I will tell you this. In this national championship game, they looked totally more prepared than Ohio State did. Mm-hmm. And both of them have the same amount of time to get ready. So I'm not really sure what's going on, but Ohio State got outcoached. Now Nick Saban's been outcoached before. He has been outcoached before. But Ohio State got out coached, and they couldn't make adjustments. Uh, and, and, and for the life of me, it kills me because it looked like Alabama was tougher than Ohio State. And Ohio State the week before, when it, the game before, it looked like they were tougher than Clemson. What are we to believe? What are we to make out of this national championship race? The same three teams are going to be in the mix next year. It's going to be a question mark of who's the fourth. But where it comes in regards to the Pac-12, the Pac-12 has got to start beating some of these teams and beating them consistently. And so the schedule makers, even though they're doing it for money, you can't have, um, you know, for, it's not a disgrace, but it's not disrespect, but you can't have Oregon State going into to the, the horseshoe, taking on Ohio State in game one, and thinking that it's going to go well for the Pac-12 conference. It's not.
2: I'll tell you who's going to be that four team, fourth team. Lincoln. It's right in the market that where you live. And where do you live?
1: Oh, in Phoenix, Arizona State. You think <laughs> your alma mater? <laughs>
2: We can wish and hope.
1: <laughs> well, you know, what was funny is we were having a – I was in the barbershop the other day and we were talking about how Herm was able to turn around the program with such great talent. And one of the things that stuck out with me about Coach Edwards is when he first came there, there were people – in the, like we were just referring to toxic, possible toxic players in the locker room. There were people in the locker room that did not have – he didn't jail with. And, you know, he went to those guys and he was like, you know what, keep your scholarship, but you don't need to come back and play. We're going to move on. And nowadays, when it comes to recruiting, it's a very valuable recruiting tool to somebody like me, a parent. I don't know how much it resonates with the athlete, but as a parent, it's one of those guys. He's one of those guys that comes into the house where Saban in Alabama will go in there and say, "Look, your kid will be in the National Football League in three years." That's their ultimate recruiting tool. Yeah. Arm Edwards goes into the parents' house and he said, "Your kid will have a degree in three years." Now, for parents like me that, oh, yes, I want my child to have a college degree. Absolutely, move on with life. But sometimes the, the, the athlete wants to be seen. And so there have been a lot of great athletes, and I use the word because it's applicable. Great athletes come through Ohio State since Herman Edwards has been there, but didn't finish there because they weren't getting enough playing time. The transfer portal is amateur free agency. And until they put a stop to that, these teams, because they can't make up for the scholarships, are going to get players, give them NFL-style training, and then they're going to move on to other programs, and then they're kind of going to just fade into oblivion.
0: Lincoln, we appreciate the time. As always, thanks for checking in here on the uh, on the eve of the divisional playoffs.
1: Yeah, always a pleasure, man. Enjoy the football.
0: All right, Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. And uh, Herm turning the program around, PK, perception, (laughs) his ability to talk. Do not underestimate the ability to engage the media and shape the narrative. He's put so much energy into the program. Now, the wins and losses, seven-win season, eight-win season. Todd Graham had two 10-win seasons. So I don't know how seven and eight turns it around. Even his last year was a seven-win season. But the energy was terrible. The energy Todd Graham's last two years. You, the loyal alum, are like, oh, this guy, the best Tuesday ever. Yeah, I
2: pulled back my <laughs> 10 bucks a year. Right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he had two 10-win seasons and followed it up by averaging six wins a year for the next three years.
2: Well, I told them years ago, man, when I make it big, I'm going to give you a buck a win. And I fell <laughs> true to that. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. But it feels to Sun Devil fans like, Herms, turn this thing around! Engage the media, the narrative, buy a little more time to get another recruiting class in there. How's he going to do year three and four? We've seen the first two, but now he's getting to the point where it's all his guys. So how does it go? Oh, sure. Yeah, we'll you see. Know. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott.
1: From The Athletic, he's our friend, Sam Amick. Our listeners love to hear what you think of the Jazz. Does this team have the potential to do something beyond the expected? Yeah, I think they do. I really like the donovan Rudy Gobert combo. They have things in their corner that were not in their corner in the bubble. They have both Donovan, they have Mike colleague and Jordan Clarkson. So I think the potential is there. Within all that, I think it's Donovan elevating his game again. Say what you will about Brooklyn. They have three future Hall of Famers and two former MVPs and two champions. Within that three, teams are- The Jazz and most others can't compete with that on a star level. So can Donovan be a top 15 guy? Can he be a top
3: 10 guy? And that's what he's got to be pushing for. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports
0: Network. Joe Ingles is going to uh, drop off his uh, daughter and then uh, give us a call here in a few minutes. So uh, we'll talk to Joe. Uh, He is going to be out tonight. Uh, We'll talk to him more about that. The Jazz are going to play the Hawks tonight. And Denver on Sunday, so we ought to know a lot more when we come back here on Monday morning, PK. Tuesday morning, Tuesday Jeez. morning. I know. I got I'm gonna I'm gonna forget we're, Monday's a holiday and drive well, down here and go. Let, Why is this all locked up? Let's be clear. We, we're so used to working Martin Luther King Jr. Day that it's, it's yeah. It's often it's often been a game day, correct. and yes. so we've worked. We and have the they, rare day where we don't have a game, so we're having. Right,
2: oh, I just day. soon work it. Tell you the truth, because there's a lot to talk about the I'm Jazz. I'm also I think. with you. Playoffs. Obviously, the every time they play, particularly this year, it's I feel a sense of gratitude that they're out on the floor. Uh, but you know, the Denver game I'm really looking forward to. Not to discount tonight's game because I think the Hawks, even though they have lost four or five, they've won one in a row. I think they're an emerging team. I like what they've done in the off season, and so. Uh, an NBA team with NBA talent, you can't take anything for granted. So, certainly going to be watching tonight's game and then looking forward to, to the game against Denver because Denver, you got a little rivalry going now with Denver. And rivalries in the pros, you know, they can sort of ebb and flow. But I think that after last season with the 3-1 lead and then Conley with the shot at the buzzer that looked like it was halfway in and it didn't go and Donovan collapsing to the floor because he'd put everything into it and the came up short, I think that creates a little bit of rivalry and it stands to reason with the nucleus of both teams being to a degree younger, the Jazz got a few older players, but obviously Mitchell and Gobert are still well within their primes or maybe Mitchell's not there yet, maybe Rudy isn't either, but nevertheless, they should be good for the next three or four years so you're you probably if you're not going to face them in the playoff you're going to battle with them playoff seating so i'm looking forward to it and it's just one game in january i don't want to go crazy but nevertheless i'm looking forward to it any game i'm looking forward to you know they're on a little bit of a roll right now and let's see if they can continue it because i really really believe that the talent is there and I know it's not an eighty-two game season, but we'll just use it as an eighty-two game ledger. I really believe the talent would be there to have a fifty-five win season. And I've always thought 50's fifty's good, fifty-five's very good, sixty is great.
0: Totally agree with those. I see it the same way. And and they've got a they've got a narrow window here because they do have three older guys playing important roles. Three guys in their thirties, two of them are thirty-three in 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 Joe and Mike. You know, and Father Time's undefeated, so how many shots do you get? I think it's impossible to do, but the team that opened this season, if they could play the team that opened last season, this season's team had certainly win a seven-game series, and they might win five or six of them. I think they've improved the team. A young guy like Donovan should be better a year later, but I think a lot of the pieces, the bench, uh, you know, obviously Clarkson's on the roster now. He wasn't on the roster at the start of last season. And Favors. Uh, favors is another good upgrade. So... You know, without question, I think this team can handle that team. Uh, so, but this is the opportunity because I don't know that I'd I'd be saying next season. Well, this team could handle that one. I, I don't know that I'd be saying that. Maybe we'll have to see it going forward. Who knows what's out there? But this okay. is an opportunity. Seize it. You know, you're you're I right. Agree. Atlanta does appear to be. Um, you know, they, they've got the potential to be on the upswing here. They're certainly good enough in any given night to get you. But the Jazz are the better team, and they can't let these things slip away. We can already circle three games where it's like, well, I I know big picture the Jazz are better than these guys, but on that given night, they weren't. And that stings when you look at the standings because the essence of what you're saying about the Nuggets, because rivalries do come and go, but you've already butted heads once, and you wanted it, and they took it away from you. Now, you can look big picture and say... There's something about the Clipper chemistry that isn't quite working, and maybe they'll figure it out and maybe they won't. And the Lakers, everyone's chasing the Lakers, but who's the next team? Why isn't it us? And the Jazz are saying that in their locker room, and the Nuggets are saying it in their locker room. And so that makes these matchups juicy. Even though it is just one regular season game in January, it doesn't matter a lot, but it matters a little. You know it does because you know you're going to see these guys again.
2: Yeah, it's fun, and as far as and we're we're concentrated on this season for sure, no doubt about that. But as far as going forward with those older guys, I really believe in the sophistication of today's NBA player, and that's why I've debunked the idea of go you go play in Utah. I think that is so outdated. And so what I'm getting at as as these guys are in their 30s age out of the NBA, there'll be a new crop of players who are thinking, yeah, I want to go play with this new young owner, and they just put out a thing of what they're doing to improve the entrance of the uh, into the players area and it's on Twitter you can go see it so the point is he's going to invest and he just tweeted out we just getting started or just getting going or something so the point being that they're going to be able to attract talent because Ryan Smith is going to he's talked about how he's recruited so many businesses to the Wasatch Front area it's what he does he has an expertise in this and he's already been doing that so he'll be able to do that going forward plus the sophisticated of the NBA player will want to play with Mitchell and go bear knowing that they're going to be treated first class get their money get their playing time being a winning situation so I don't want to be completely totally you know everything is absolutely rosy 100% but I believe that there's a great opportunity as these players age out to replace them with equal or better talent under the circumstances but as far as right now this season I believe they have that capability to finish second. But as you say, I also believe there's three or four other teams who believe they have that capability, which is what I want. I want it to be competitive. I don't want it to be given. I want to see battle, so to speak, like we saw in that Denver Jazz series where it comes down to a last, literally the last second shot to determine the winner. As a consumer of sports, that is what I want. That's highly entertaining. That's highly competitive. That's what gets me going. And this team, well, I want to see how far it can go. I'm real intrigued by every game, but you know, coming home tonight, get back on the... Continue the winning track at home. Continue the winning that you've done here recently. And then set yourself up for Sunday night. Sunday night is going to be a huge TV flicker night.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're going to have the uh, – well, you're, you're going to go dual screens. You're not going to change you're, – you're the king of dual screens. You love to set that up. You're ready to go. You're, you're going to have two screens. You're going to have the Jazz on one screen and the NFL playoffs in the other. I mean, they put their marquee game on Sunday night. It's no accident. It's Tampa Bay and New Orleans. And it's two quarterbacks who both won Super Bowls. And any one of us would have scheduled it that way. So, you know, I I do buy what you said about the sophistication of players and the ability to put another group together. Uh, We saw in in the Stockton Malone era went on forever because those guys were Ironmen. But they had three distinct groups that they played with. You know, they're the constants but the the talent around them changed, but we also see that it can take a year and a half. you don't hit on all those moves. The jazz didn't back then, and they don't now. you know they, they missed on some of the stuff they did early last season. They're not nearly as um, I don't know conservative or slow to move, I think, as people perceive and you know fans want what they want oh, now not at all. but no. they, they've made a lot of changes <laughs> you know just in the last uh, 12, twelve, fourteen months, fifteen months. Uh, the rosters change quite a bit, but it does take time to do those. And time's clicking, and you've only got so long. And I, I don't doubt that um, you know now that they're they're here for long term deals. You know, Gobert and Mitchell are going to play with another group of guys, and we will probably identify them as another you know generation of jazz players. And those two guys will be constants because of their age versus all these other guys' age. Uh, well, not all of them, but many of them. So that probably will happen, but it'll take time to happen. And why do you want to wait for them to another two years to reload or whatever and, and get the lineup? It, just, it feels like they've really got a good lineup now. I just want them to, to cash, on, cash in on it to whatever degree that is possible. And so let's go. Let's not, uh, not give away another game. And I think that really all of this, we've taken several minutes to say it. Uh, waiting to talk to Joe, but honestly, I think that is really what Quinn meant at the end of the third quarter when he was throwing the clipboard down. You guys figure it out, right? I think that's really what he's saying. we got a great opportunity here, guys. You can't squander it by bleeping up the fourth quarter against the Pistons. <laughs> you can't do it. That's, I, think, I think he sees all of this. He probably sees even more we don't see, and that is why he felt that urgency and he said what he said in Detroit. That was the essence of it. Agreed. All right, so, uh, okay, we're, we're not breaking, yak. We're holding on. No. All right, Joe's coming here in a moment then. So uh, we'll get Joe on here and uh, talk with him, and David Locke will join us coming up at uh, 9 o'clock. We'll move him. So good to hear from uh, – it'll be good to hear from Joe and uh, hear what's uh, going on with him after a long road trip and the uh, the end of the Ironman streak.
2: Yeah, well, I'm going to let Joe know that I – Worked 385 consecutive days before taking a day off.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. Now, 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 Yach's having a personal conversation. Yach has some info he wants to get. <laughs> you guys, you guys, hold on. All you listeners, hold on. Yach has something he needs to talk to, talk to Joe about. To Joe? He's in there laughing right now, and they're having their chat about whatever. It might be Joe. Joe might just yeah, they can wait for me. They've waited a while. They can wait a while longer. That would totally be Joe.
2: I want to bust him on that, and I also want to bust him on how it must feel really good to have an American-born child.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's do it. He's on hold now, so he heard that. All right. Here's Joe.
1: hey
2: This
3: is the Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
0: It is good to say hello to Joe Ingles. Hi, Joe. Hi. I don't know if I want to come on anymore after hearing that. (laughs)
3: Hearing what? No one will ever, I can promise you, no one will ever know that Jack was born in America. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Joe will know. Americans he will, will have, know. He's an American have citizen. A, he'll have his,
3: yeah, he'll have his passport and, and all that junk, but it'll be in the top drawer, and it will stay in the top drawer <laughs> until we have to renew it. And then the only time it'll get used is if he decides to go to college or something. He's actually to make it a lot easier for him. But... No one will ever know. Just He's
2: me. my favorite of your kids.
3: <laughs> They're all tired for me. But
2: well, enjoy. sure, you're the dad. That's what you're
0: supposed to say. And honestly, that's what you're supposed to feel. But we're loser sports talk shows. We can say anything. I mean, I'm not even going to get
3: into it. But <laughs> <laughs> He's not. He's not. He's not going to know that he's American or was American or whatever. We'll be gone. We'll be gone before he starts
2: getting an accent. And
3: Miller's already got a crazy American
2: accent anyway. So. exactly. Don't embrace it, Joe. Embrace your children's heritage. I mean, even regardless on his
3: Australian passport and his birth date, always going to say Utah. Like. Even if I had never won, even if I had the worst experience the last few years of my career here, we're always going to be linked to Utah. <laughs>
2: So,
0: uh, I think the question everybody wants to ask with the, uh, you you had the Ironman streak, it was really impressive, it's over, and I don't think it would have ended unless the injury was really pretty serious, because you would have played through it like you played through a bunch of other little stuff that we probably don't know about. But this must be serious, and now you're going to miss a a third game out of four. So, what's going on with the Achilles? What does it look like? How does it feel? What are they telling you? Everybody wants to know it all, Joe. (laughs)
3: Um, I mean, I think first off is the street thing obviously got talked about a lot. and I mean, as you guys know and people close to me and then obviously within the, the organization, I've, I've never done anything for, for a record or a, a stat or, or anything like that. So, I mean, it was, uh, I'd always said um, basically since I've, like since I can remember, like if I'm healthy, I'm going to play. And that's, um, just what I, I live by um, I, I know I, I've said it before like I know there's 20,000 people and 19, 999 are, are there to see Donovan and Rudy and, and probably Quinn and whoever else but I, I know there's some kids out there that, that are watching if, whether it's from Australia or it's my family or my own children or, or Renee or, or whoever's watching so I've always wanted to, to be out there for, for whoever's there kind of supporting me and um I'd always said until the the professionals, until Mike Elliott and, and his group, um, the, the health guys, kind of looked me in the eye and told me like you need to rest or you need to sit or, or whatever. I, I and, and I could tell. Um, I've known Mike Mike Elliott, the kind of head of uh, health and performance, um, that side of things, and. Um, been with him for years now, kind of four or five years, and and I knew when he looked at me and and was telling me, um, I, I knew it was kind of a bit more serious than other conversations we've had in the past. Because there's been times that I, other players might have sat, I should have maybe sat, um, but like I said, if I can get out there, I, I want to be out there, and obviously an Achilles or something, probably a little bit more serious. So um, yeah, it's just been. I mean, honestly, it's probably not as bad as what people kind of assume and think because I missed a game, but it is something that's been bothering me for a little while, and um, I guess just trying to get on top of it instead of... uh, I think the last thing I want to do for me and for the team and for everybody is like play two games, sit one, play three, sit two, play four, sit two. Like, it's just... I want to be 100% healthy, um, or as close to as possible. And like I said, with an Achilles, it's it's probably a little different than having a a banged up arm or, or quad or something like that. So um, yeah, we're um, I'm happy to to be getting it better. I feel I've, I've felt better every day. I obviously played in Detroit, I think it was, and um, thought I was all right, but it, it pulled up a little bit. Saw that next morning, so just going to um yeah take the time and get on top of it i don't know what that means for timetable wise but i'll just listen to like i said listen to mike and his team and and do what they tell me to do every day
2: been an interesting season so far, just barely getting into it. You know, you had the two tough losses in New York, and then everybody's writing you off, and then you rally and beat a great Bucks team, and now you've won a few in a row here, and so the arrow's pointing up. How do you explain where you were in New York, and then you go to Milwaukee, and you look completely different as a team?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously frustrating, because I think i um, yeah. Uh, I was just talking about it with someone the other day, but I think our record right now probably is exactly kind of how we've been playing. Like we, we've had some really, really good games, um, which you kind of highlighted there, and uh, and we've had some some games that we just haven't played well. And obviously, the the good thing about it is, uh, uh, like you, uh, I mean, you guys know, and and, and a lot of fans that uh, that know uh, know the game and, and how we want to play you can just kind of look at it. We weren't, we weren't playing the way we expect to play and the way we, we think we should play every night. Um, so those losses, are as frustrating as it is, and and we've probably talked about it over the last couple of years, like it's where we can watch the tape and, and watch ourselves and watch bits and pieces and know what we're, what we're not doing. Um, and I think a part of it, obviously, we've highlighted we, we and talked a lot about we, we've wanted to, to shoot more threes, and we're playing a little bit faster probably than the past, but um, regardless of whether we're shooting well or not, we, oh, I believe we've got a team that can win if we're shooting well or not. We, we've got a, two great defensive centers, obviously, that kind of anchor us, and then we, with our, our starters um, very well balanced, and then the guys coming off the bed, Like I, I really like the group we've got, and, um, so we shouldn't, we don't have to, and we shouldn't have to just rely on the shooting. But I think when you combine those two together, and we're playing the right way offensively, we're moving the ball, everyone's getting touches, we're we're breaking the paint, kind of kicking it out. If we don't have a finish, we've got too many shooters to, to not make shots in a game. So unless we're we're all off um, on the offensive end shooting wise, and and we're not locked in defensively, we'll we'll have some rough nights. But when we are, we've we've obviously proven um, in whatever XYZ game that that we can play and match it with with anyone.
0: It's always hilarious when someone loses it on camera, as long as it's not you who loses it. Um, (laughs) And so when Quinn throws the clipboard at the third quarter in Detroit, you guys figure it out. Okay, on one level, that's hilarious and we all enjoy it. But I think the bigger message is You guys are really good. Don't cheat your talent here by playing below what you're capable of. And I think people who look at the first 11 games of the schedule and see you seven and four are thinking they could easily be nine and two or 10 and one. I think of the, you've had four straight playoff appearances here. This will probably be the fifth. But of the five teams, I think this is the best and because you're 33 and Mike's 33 and Boyan's 31 and and you and Boyan obviously have had some health injuries here Mike's had some in his past this is a golden opportunity does everybody in the is everybody in the locker room realize how good they have it right now and not to let this slip by because it's rare
3: yeah 100% and I, I think like you said like it's i mean i've I would never talk down about any of the teams I've been on here because I think they've all been pretty special in in different ways, some off-court, some on-court, some both. Um, I mean, my first couple of years, obviously frustrating losing games, but we had such a good group of guys, and you could tell from what Quinn was doing, like the belief and the the process of what it was going to take, and we did it daily for, I mean, you guys saw, you haven't seen recently, but practices for those first few years, like it was... It was brutal at times, but it was what we needed to do to, to be a good team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we really, and I think it gets like it, regardless of what you do. If you you can love your job, you you guys can love your job every day. But you still have days where you are like, man, I am tired, or
0: mm-hmm.
3: I don't really want to be here today, or something's going on on uh, like with your family or at home. And and I think for us, it's just kind of locking in each day, each practice, each whatever whatever it is, um, and and like embracing that, that we do have a pretty special team and a, and a very cool opportunity here. And yeah, we're not going to win every game, we're going to lose more games. Um, I mean, we've got a big game tonight, but just yeah, just realizing. And I, and I think sometimes you forget about that. I think sometimes other things can take over or they kind of consume your mind when, like, we've got an awesome, like you said, an awesome team, awesome opportunity. Uh, I think with, I mean, the age and the, Everyone in that group, we're at, a, we're at a pretty cool stage. We've got young guys, we've got older guys, we've got guys with experience, we've got guys that have been to finals. Like, we've just got all these different things and I think we can... I can, I mean, definitely think we can, we can put it all together and um, uh, I think one thing as well is that for us focusing and, and we've talked about a little bit is just getting getting better a little bit, like a little bit better each day. And uh, whether that's something in the film that we can, we know we can change uh, from New York to Milwaukee or whatever it is. And Hey, we need to run back more. Like let's focus on it. Let's keep each other accountable. Um, cause, cause it is a special group. Like it's, you guys have had prob what little to none access this year. Um, and, and a bit probably the same more or less last year, but, um, <laughs> we've got such a good, good group of guys. And, um, the, the rookies, the older guy, like, we all get along really like it's such a good team. And it ha- has been here for a long time. But, um, yeah, it would be be very special to do something special with, with this group of guys and with Quinn, obviously.
2: So I don't know if you heard those comments by Shaq uh, as far as going after <laughs> Gobert. But it seems to me that in order to appreciate what Gobert actually does, you need to do like, well, obviously you do. We do too. We watch every single game. And to me, that's really the only way you can fully absorb the value that Rudy has to the team. Could you comment on that? Yeah, I think first off, it's it's why –
3: I mean – some people get caught up with, you see like little Twitter wars all the time or, or whatever, social media stuff or interviews or, um, I think it's why we've done a pretty good job over time. I think Rudy's gone a little rogue every now and then, but we, we keep a lot of our stuff in-house. We, we talk about what Rudy needs to improve on, what I need to improve. We, we do all that in-house. We don't, um, we don't talk about it to the media, we don't talk about it, I mean, people sure talk about it with their families or whatever, but we, we keep it all pretty in-house, and we we know what Rudy does, you guys know, Jazz fans know, if you, like you said, if you watch enough of our games Rudy could have a game where he has two points and 20 rebounds, I think he did on the road trip one time, he had like six points and 20 rebounds, and another game he'll have 20 and 20, or 20 and two rebounds, because we've got guards that can rebound, but we've got such a, like our group obviously believes him. We we don't need or, or really care about what Shaq or, or what anyone else says. Really, um, we have a belief within our group, um, and I think what it does show about Rudy is, I mean, when he's getting held to two points, it's because they're obviously doing something to not let us get him the ball because they know how effective he is when when he's rolling to the hoop and he's on the rim and stuff like that. Like, not many teams can compete with that when you've got. Donovan coming downhill and playing with, with Patience and Rudy on the rim and Boyan in the corner and Mike in the high quadrant. Like, what, what are you going to do? And, and obviously one of the the biggest things you can see, or one of the harder things to take away is, is Rudy on the rim. So they, they focus... Like, Rudy gets jacked up off the ball continuously. Like, it's if you watch enough games, you can see guys will stand in front of him as he's rolling continuously just so that he can't get on the rim. So um yeah like i said i mean we don't we don't really focus or or care about what people think um we we just focus on what what our locker room does and what we need what we need to do to to win the next game and like I said, it could be uh, i mean i mean even this like we've had different guys have big games at all different times, so it might be Rudy, one game it might be fave like fave might finish a game one time because of the matchups or whatever it is so um the best thing about our group is everyone understands that and believes in that and um, we're going to do whatever it takes to, to win as many games as possible.
0: I know you got to go. Last thing, when Bogdanovich dunks on Sam Merrill in Milwaukee, he says something to you on the bench <laughs> and you laughed really hard. Can you tell us what it was? <laughs> no,
3: I don't want um, to, it wasn't bad but it was just, uh, no, it was just funny. It was a more of a, a personal joke but he was, he was excited that uh, he got his last six points when no one was in the game.
0: <laughs> All right, Joe. I know you got to run. We appreciate you checking in. Thanks for giving us a call. I better get
3: the swab, swab shoved up my nose.
0: Okay, go do it. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Guys. Thank you. Joe Engels. joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I wish we did have more access. I wish we got to know that stuff because whatever it was, Joe was just sitting there one second and the next second he was laughing hard. That stuff's classic.
2: It is, yeah. That's, it's
1: that's, why we,
0: fun. that's why these mic'd up things, Whenever, uh, whatever sport, whatever league, college pro, I don't care. I always watch them. I always watch them in, in the moment. Teammates having fun. It's hilarious. You know? It's hilarious. All right. We're going to take a break, and it'll be a little on the long side. I think we just missed a break. But we got uh, David Locke coming up on the other side, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, and we'll talk with him next.